1: Well good morning everyone.
2: I'm Tom Brand sitting in for Mike Adams this uh, next few days with Adams on Agriculture. It's a pleasure to be with you on this Monday. I hope that you had a great Christmas as well as holiday weekend. That you were able to enjoy some time with family and friends and whatever it was that you were able just to to pause for just a, a brief amount of time and enjoy the holiday season. Well on today's lineup winter officially started. It was a week ago. What does the nation's weather pattern look like this week? We'll visit with DTN's meteorologist, John Baranek. More and more people want to know more about their food. Where does it come from? Who handled it? Where has it been? And a whole lot more. We'll visit about source verification with representatives from where food comes from. The COVID-19 relief package was signed by President Trump yesterday. There are several programs for agriculture, including cattle producers. Ethan Lane with the National Cattlemen's Beef Association will join us to talk about some of those programs. But first, let's visit this point about some of those cabinet members who have been announced for the Biden administration. Jay Truitt is with Policy Solutions, based in Washington, D.C. He stays in the loop with what's going on in agriculture and what goes on with policies and is our guest at this time. Good morning, Jay.
3: Good morning and Merry Christmas to all those people out there in rural America that don't get to take the same number of days off that the rest of us do. So uh, <laughs> we appreciate what you do.
2: <laughs> Absolutely. That's exactly right. Well, I'd like to talk about some of these cabinet members, Jay, and, and uh, we won't spend a lot of time about uh, Secretary of Agriculture Tom Vilsack. We're familiar with uh, with Secretary Vilsack. It's so, good to have a familiar face back in the Department of Agriculture.
3: Yeah, it is. And, and again, it, you know, in Washington, D.C. terms, and I know that is kind of like a curse word in, in a lot of America. But in D.C. terms, he's a given um, that I think people kind of have a comfort level with and understand uh, what kind of administrator he's going to be, where he's going to be involved and where he won't be involved. And, um, and I think for most people, they don't see him as, as really uh, taking any hard left or right turns in any, any given perspective. Uh, and we'll see how his deputies flow in. That really makes a difference on how some of the agencies respond. Um, but I think a lot of those people will be Obama two point folks as well. We will uh, we'll probably recognize most of those names as well.
2: Was this a surprise seeing Secretary Vilsack's name come up, or do you do you, do you think he'd been in play more so than uh, than what a lot of uh, the quote unquote analysts had been thinking he would be?
3: No, I think uh, I think for the most part. Um, and this is not meant to, to insult him in any way, but I think he was uh, uh, by default when everybody else got pushed out. Um, the, uh, probably, uh, at the end of the day, the biggest uh, challenger um, that he would have had and I thought probably ended up at the last minute was going to be the front runner would have been Miss Marsha Fudge. Um, but um, truth is, they just looked to go a different direction with her and uh, put her in a different place. And, um, and, and probably what that implies is that Bill Sack um, was edging around in the competition anyway. He didn't bring any controversy. He, didn't, uh, uh, he was, again, he was a known and a given in an agency that spends a lot of money, especially when the economy is, uh, is in an unusual place. And um, again, I think he was just the easy choice um, for, uh, for Mr. Biden.
2: Well, let's look at at some of these other announcements that have come out. U.S. Trade Representative Catherine Tai, the Associated Press, said she is a problem-solving pragmatist on trade policy. She has some experience when it comes to trade.
3: Yeah, um, so uh, I I have to say this. uh, um, I think uh, she is the brightest of the entire list of people that we will go through, That's that's not meant to insult anybody uh, else, but she is a very, very bright young um, lady. Um, I call her young because she's a little younger than me. Um, her work on the Ways and Means Committee when she was uh, essentially the lead, the, the lead Democratic lawyer there, um, about, as, about as strong as you could possibly be in that position. And, um, and people are going to look at some of the things that she's worked on in the past and, and try to make a calculation about what her viewpoints are on those issues. Uh, but I will say this for, for her, she is one of those uh, people in Washington, D.C. that does what she's instructed to do, and she does it very well. Um, so really, the, the key for us is to watch how uh, the White House starts putting out positions, and I do expect her to have some success. Um, even folks inside the current USDR, um, they like her. Um, she's somebody that they've dealt with a lot on the Hill over the past couple of years, and uh, again, she's bright, articulate, very experienced, um, has, has exactly the tools that are necessary for that job. Um, with all of that said, trying to fill uh, Mr. Lighthizer's shoes is going to be nigh on impossible. Uh, and so people, maybe it's not quite fair to judge her against that. But I think if we judge her with the skill set she has coming in the door against uh, almost everybody else that's ever had that job. She fits in that top four or five of all time. So uh, a bright, bright young lady.
2: What about uh, the EPA administrator, Michael Reagan, out of North Carolina? What do we know about him? Is that a pick that agriculture can uh, can uh, take some relief with, or are there some red flags there?
3: Well, I, you know, and not to dodge that question, I think he's just an administrator. Uh, and that's what he's been in the past in North Carolina. He's going to understand some of the ag issues, and, and we'll see how that actually plays out. Uh, but again, the, I, I do have some major concerns with uh, the climate policy uh, folks that, that are gonna be really giving him direction on what he needs to do, and Gina McCarthy uh, being probably the number one. Um, people in agriculture will, will remember uh, her name. She was the administrator of the EPA that came up with Waters of the U.S. Uh, in the first place. Mm-hmm. And we should probably expect that to come back. She hasn't lost her fire over that issue, and the courts have ruled right, and we've gone through all the, the, that process, but I would guess that in her role, um, she can now work both the Hill and the agency uh, to try to craft legislation and um, regulations that, that get her back to a point that she's done uh, before. Uh, the actual administrator appointment, again, you know, I don't see anything really uh, uh, significant or, or alarming uh, about uh, about him specifically. Uh, and it's a role that I always just kind of worry about, uh, whether it's Republican or Democrats or running the process. I almost never like the EPA administrator um, just because I tend to think they, they kind of overact. I do think that when you look at, at some of the other people that are going to be involved in that decision tree, like... Uh, uh, Brenda Mallory, uh, that's going to be the CEQ, or, or the, the environmental uh, quality person inside the administration as well, and has that role. Um, she, she comes to the table with a much bigger agenda, and she, uh, uh, in a lot of the speeches that she's given in the past, and kind of the things that she said she was about, uh, honestly, she said what she wanted to do was to uh, come up with an environmental justice model. That they move to in the future. That's a little bit alarming.
2: Jay, Jay, we appreciate the time and the insight. Great to catch up with you. Hey, we're going to a, talk a little bit about weather, what's going on nationwide. Coming up next on AOA, Adams on Agriculture from the American Ag
0: Network. Hi, this is Mike Adams. You're listening to AOA, Adams on Agriculture. Don't go away. More Adams on Agriculture coming right up.
4: A lot goes into keeping a precision operation moving. The inputs you choose have to deliver results. New Delaro Complete Fungicide from Bayer offers unmatched consistency and the most complete disease control available. Your corn and soybeans are protected and yields higher even in unpredictable conditions. With Delaro Complete, you get results you can count on to help keep your precision operation running smoothly. Always read and follow label instructions. To learn more, visit DelaroComplete.us today.
0: Recently on Adams on Agriculture.
2: Clay Bertram is with the National Cattlemen's Beef Association. He's Federation Division Vice Chair. Clay, uh, we look at, at 2020, and this is uh, a year that uh, we know will have an asterisk in it for a lot of uh, years to come in the history books. But boy, the work has continued with uh, promoting beef.
0: Yeah, Tom, the uh, the impact of the pandemic has been very uh, transformative in every corner of our economy, uh, whether that be from beef to online shopping. The good news is that the consumers are cho- choosing beef more often as they adapt more to cooking at home. Uh, you know, Tom, uh, we've seen the increase uh, of 67% to 72% uh, as it compares to 2019. Uh, With positive perceptions of beef, we've reached 70% for the first time. So it's really a dynamic change as we've seen consumers choosing beef more often. For the information important to rural America, join us on Adams on Agriculture.
1: Adams on Agriculture. Conversations with policymakers, the movers and shakers in the ag industry. The pros and cons of issues important to you. Cutting through the spin to get to the heart of a topic and giving you the information you need to know. Every weekday, Mike Adams brings you guests important to the ag industry. It's quite simply information farmers and ranchers need to know. Adams on Agriculture.
5: You may not realize how important three letters can be. For a patient who needs type A, B, or O blood, these letters can mean life cancer patients to accident survivors waiting for critical surgeries, your generosity can give someone more life. Don't wait until the letters A, B, and O are missing from hospital shelves. You are the missing type patients need. Visit redcrossblood.org forward slash missing types or call 1-800-RED-CROSS to make your donation appointment today.
0: You're listening to AOA, Adams on Agriculture. Hi, this is Mike Adams. You can rely on us for the latest farm and ranch news from around the world.
1: Information America's farmers and ranchers need to know. Adams on Agriculture. Now, back to Mike Adams.
2: Good morning, everyone. My name's Tom Brand, and I'm filling in for Mike Adams, It's good to be along with you here on this Monday. Hope that your weekend was great. We have seen an abrupt change in temperature for our part of the country um, for uh, um, just in the last couple of days. We've gone from uh, very cold to just above normal and then back to cold. I had a bit of a scare this morning whenever I asked Google what the temperature was and it told me it was negative 3. I thought, boy, it doesn't feel like negative 3 out I've decided that it must have. I'm I'm in Saint Joseph, Missouri, and I've decided I must have been looking at temperatures in Saint Joseph, Michigan, instead, (laughs) because we're actually 27 degrees, which was a which was a big relief. Um, John Berenick from DTN is the team lead of Agriculture agriculture Weather and and joins us at this time. And, and John, uh, we're not negative three in this part of the country, but we do have quite a bit of the the Midwest that's covered in a winter weather advisory. And that uh, winter weather advisory area actually extends all the way west out to the state of Nevada. I see that Las Vegas may even get some snow.
6: Yeah, Actually, it's a pretty good storm system. So it's uh, it's really just coming onshore over California now, the upper level system is right now and it's developing a, a low pressure center kind of in the four corners region and all the way from that all the way through colorado and then up through uh wisconsin and michigan uh we're going to see that storm really take shape here over the next couple of days They a lot of snow from it uh, a lot of areas here from uh, northeast Nebraska or colorado all the way through wisconsin and see a good three to six inches but just about everywhere we will see locally heavier more than a month than that six to ten inches are probably going to be likely hear from uh, central Nebraska into southeast South Dakota. Probably another band here as we move from uh, Iowa into Wisconsin as well. Uh, and the other thing along with this is going to be kind of a, a two-part system. we got a nice warm or cold air on the north side that produces snow and, and warm air on the south side of it produces rain. In the middle, we're going to have a, a little bit of ice as well. So of the Kansas, Nebraska, Iowa, even Northern Illinois and, and uh, southern Wisconsin could see up to a quarter inch of ice.
2: How, uh, how long do you expect this system to, to last uh, across the Midwest?
6: Yeah, so it, it's just coming, like I said, ashore now. Uh, across the Midwest, it's really a, a Tuesday into early Wednesday deal. Uh, so it, it's not going to be a, a long, drawn-out storm like we kind of had feared last week. but uh, So a little bit more quick hitter, but it's still
2: potent. Other than our October surprise that we had uh, with with some snowfall, will this be packing uh, more punch when it comes to total precipitation?
6: Uh, It will, especially over the southern half of the Midwest. Uh, We're going to see a good one to two inches of rainfall here. Um, That kind of extends through Wednesday uh, as well. The front kind of lingers around the uh, Ohio River, uh, but that should be mostly rain. Um, But yeah, a good one to two inches of rain here over the southern half of the Midwest, and Perhaps up to one inch uh, across the northern half of the Midwest.
2: What about other parts of the country? What are they seeing for weather today?
6: Today, not too bad. Today's actually kind of quiet as we wait for that storm to move into the Plains, especially across the East Coast. Be fairly quiet today outside of some big effects around the Great Lakes. Um, But uh, as that system moves through uh, Tuesday into Wednesday, uh, we'll see rainfall really pick up here over the southern U.S. May see some severe weather with it as well. And I think that's kind of more likely as the second piece of the system really starts to get going here later this week. we will be a low pressure kind of redevelop along that front over eastern Texas and move its way kind of north-northeast through the Great Lakes here uh, into the weekend. And that'll produce a, a second round of good, healthy precipitation um, all the way along that, that path. Uh, so we're talking about 1% of the rainfall over the southern Midwest with the first piece of the storm the second piece of the storm could be uh, the, the same amount so uh, really good uh, soil moisture boost uh, across much of uh, of the Midwest and, and eastern plains and we'll see some more icing come along with that uh, that's going to be a, a big hazard with this one uh, as we move to uh, northern uh, Missouri um, all the way east to uh, Ohio and points northward and we'll see that Freezing rain switched to snow on the north side of it from Iowa into uh, Wisconsin. We could see another good six inches uh, and that's too. we have to see how that works out, but that's what it's looking like right now.
2: We know that this has not been the uh, the the most uh, wet weather that we've experienced, um, and and we get into this time of the year and we get to looking up to Montana and and, uh, and Wyoming and even in the Dakotas. So much uh, of the time, we're, we're looking at, at how much of a winter snowpack they have, especially for, for areas of Montana and Idaho. Um, where are they at right now with, uh, with total moisture and, and, and what kind of precipitation they can expect in the next few weeks ahead?
6: For the most part, a little bit below normal. Um, we've seen here uh, in, in uh, November and early December, we saw some pretty decent storms in the area, but not as much as what we normally see. So they've gotten some good precipitation, especially in the mountains. Um, but we haven't seen the snowpack really generate like we typically see this time kind of year yet. Um, you know, they're going to get missed out of uh, the system uh, this week, but this weekend. The storm track kind of shifts a little bit further to the north. So we'll see some a couple of storm systems really move through much of the Pacific Northwest and into uh, Montana, especially through the Rockies in Montana, uh, this weekend and early next week
2: longer term weather outlook, uh, how are things stacking up as we get ready to ring in a new year?
6: Yeah, the, the first full week of the new year here is going to be, especially over the Midwest, a little bit drier than normal. Uh, we'll see a couple of systems move through, but we don't see a whole lot of precipitation along with them. Um, what, one of the things we're really looking at is uh, something that I know is really key on people's minds here recently is the polar vortex. Uh, and That's been a little weaker than... than We typically see this time of year, which uh, means that colder air from the Arctic is a lot more susceptible to moving into the United States. Uh, We haven't seen that uh, yet. We've had a couple of quick Arctic blasts here over the last couple of weeks, but nothing that's been really long lasting. And we won't see that for the first week of January, but we might see it for the second week of January and beyond. So we've been pretty warm over the last uh, few months here, especially as we start winter. Uh, but we may start seeing change here as we move into the middle of January and thereafter.
2: I know visiting with, uh, with Bryce last week, this La Nina weather pattern is, is one that's that's uh, just not wanting to break, is it?
6: No, it, it, it's not going to. So it, it looks like at least through uh, the end of spring we'll be hanging on to it. Uh, some of the forecasts kind of bring it up more to a neutral state. Some of it keep it a little bit uh, closer to La Niña, so we may be dealing with that into uh, late spring and summer as well.
2: Well, let's uh, go south of the equator and talk a little bit about South America. What kind of a weather pattern have, have they been in?
6: Showery, okay. but um, and and it's really been showery over much of the continent. However, the amounts have been a lot lower. Some places in Brazil, especially the the big state of Santa so which is Big soybean producer there has seen you know, up to eight inches below normal rainfall, so they've been really dry. And when it hasn't been raining, it's been really hot. The temperatures in the 90s and hundreds have been very typical across uh, Brazil and Argentina as well. Whenever it's been dry, um, and that dryness, the overall dryness here has really put some stress on the developing corn and soybean, um, especially uh, in the bigger, the bigger producing states as well. Uh, we're, we're really leading towards long-term stress and concern over the current crop, but also um, as we move into the safrina crop, you know, the corn, the safrina corn crop is the bigger producer there in Brazil, and, and uh, we've already started two weeks behind. We've had lower than normal precipitation through the uh, season so far, and typically limenias lead to a shorter growing season down there as well, so safrina corn season and Brazil is under a lot of concern right now as far as will they get enough rainfall at the right time.
2: And it just seems like the, the weather pattern that they find themselves in so many times is when they're dry, then it gets to be harvest time. It seems like they get wet. When you look at the longer-term models, do you expect to to see a pattern like that this year?
6: Uh, yes and no. Um, you know, a lot of screws things up a lot.
2: So um, Yeah.
6: Yeah, we we are seeing a a little bit of that. So uh, they they could, uh, you know, typically, you know, with the La Nina, I mentioned that it's drier. So usually their harvest is 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 not going to be a problem. Um, And it's going to be all about whether or not they can get that rain coming back in.
2: Well, John, before we let you go, any other areas around the globe that you've been eyeing for uh, unusual weather patterns?
6: Yeah, I've been uh, I've been looking at Australia, which has uh, seen a, a pretty good wheat crop uh, this this year, and they've been uh, actually pretty decent in, uh, in terms of rainfall over the last uh, about 12 months. Uh, you know, prior to that, they were in about four years of drought, and it's been pretty concerning about them. Uh, but over the last over the last year, they've really picked back up, and uh, the long-term drought
3: is.
2: Always appreciate the opportunity to catch up, John. John Baranek is the team lead of Ag Weather with DTN. Our guest here this morning on AOA, Adams on Agriculture. We're talking about source verification, where food comes from, next as we continue on this Monday morning.
0: Hi, this is Mike Adams. You're listening to AOA, Adams on Agriculture don't go away more Adams on agriculture coming right up
4: a lot goes into keeping a precision operation moving the inputs you choose have to deliver results New Delaro Complete fungicide from Bayer offers unmatched consistency and the most complete disease control available. Your corn and soybeans are protected and yields higher even in unpredictable conditions. With Delaro Complete, you get results you can count on to help keep your precision operation running smoothly. Always read and follow label instructions. To learn more, visit delarocomplete.us today.
7: You're listening to Adams on Agriculture for the American Ag Network. I'm Kirsten Raw with the Market Check here on this Thursday's trading session. Several media sources are reporting President Donald Trump vetoed a bipartisan defense spending bill and is threatening not to go along with the funding designated to providing coronavirus relief. Even so, outside markets are slightly bullish with the Dow Jones trading a little higher and the March U.S. dollar index is a little lower. Grain markets on the Board of Trade are trading mixed with the March corn contract Up a half cent at 447 and three quarters. The May contract up a fraction at 448 and a half cent. January soybeans up two and a half cent at 1261 and a quarter. The March contract up two and a half cent at 1262 and a half cent. Chicago wheat march trading a penny and a fraction lower at 628 and a half cent. Kansas City wheat march up a fraction at 588 and a quarter. Minneapolis spring wheat march up two cents at 582. The May contract up a penny and three quarters at at 590 and a fraction of a cent. Active late gains developed Wednesday in live cattle and lean hog future trade. The ability to hold on to positive support into the holiday weekend is likely to stimulate additional underlining momentum during the last week of 2020. So far in cash cattle country, it's idle as there was considerable movement of cattle bought throughout Wednesday's trade. There may be some cleanup trade developing throughout Thursday, but most likely the day will be null. It is mixed on the Board of Trade for Livestock. February live cattle down 17 cents at 114. The April contract down 15 at 118.55. January feeder cattle up 7 at 140.35. The March contract down 15 at 141.80. The April contract down a dime at 143.65. April lean hogs up 5 at 71.35. The May contract up 20 at 76.20. You're listening to Adams on Agriculture. I'm Kirsten Rall for the American Ag Network.
8: Happy holidays. Do you know how to keep food safe at home?
0: Clean, separate, cook, and chill.
8: The easy lessons of clean, separate, cook, and chill will help you protect your family and be food safe. Let's talk about how to separate. First, use different cutting boards for meat, poultry, seafood, and veggies. Raw meat should never touch food that won't be cooked. Then, always keep raw meat, poultry, seafood, and their juices away from other foods in the shopping cart. And store raw meat, poultry, and seafood in a container or on a plate in the fridge, so juices won't drip on other foods. Food safety risks at home are more common than most people think. The USDA is your partner in being food safe.
0: Clean, separate, cook, and chill.
8: For more information, visit befoodsafe.gov or call 1 888 MP Hotline.
0: Hi, this is Mike Adams. Thanks for listening to Adams on Agriculture. Join me Monday through Friday for the latest farm and agriculture news from around the world.
1: Information America's farmers and ranchers need to know. Adams on Agriculture. Now back to Mike Adams.
2: Good morning, everyone. I'm Tom Brand, sitting in for Mike Adams. Mike's uh, taking a few days of vacation. We'll be back with some best of programs for you coming up on New Year's Eve and on New Year's Day. I hope that you'll, uh, you'll tune in, especially on on uh, those days. Um, I'm I'm looking forward to a conversation that Mike was able to catch up with on Thursday's uh, first two segments of the broadcast. That's when Orion Samuelson, a longtime farm broadcaster who's been at WGN Radio in Chicago, Illinois for more than 60 years, will be joining Mike on the air just talking about uh, um, what what has has been some of the highlights of his broadcast career. Over 60 years at WGN, I believe uh, close to 65 altogether on the air as a farm broadcaster. And uh, that will be a great conversation coming up then on Thursday's AOA, Adams on Agriculture. We continue with our broadcast here this uh, this uh, Monday morning, and we turn our attention to the phone, where John Saunders joins us from where food comes from. John is, uh, um, is uh, very well versed on on uh, source verification, and I thought that would, uh, would be good to, to bring him online and, and visit a little bit here this morning. John, uh, talk a little bit about uh, about the the shift in in what it is that consumers are looking for when it comes to their food. They, uh, they're they're curious not only to where it comes from but they want to know what's uh, what's been happening with that food before it ever got to the supermarket or their table
9: yeah well thanks for having me this morning it's it's interesting what's happened um post pandemic and and just this new world that we live in and consumers are very excited to learn more about the people and the places where their food comes from and the the uh, practices that go into um, raising a, wh- a wholesome product.
2: How did uh, Where Food Comes From get involved in the process of, of doing source verification?
9: Well, you know, I started uh, the business with, with my wife, uh, Leanne, about 25 years ago, and and we really were focused on delivering the story of what beef producers in the United States were doing and how they were going to communicate their message of, of really doing the right things and providing um, you know, good products to the people that were wanting to um, uh, come and get them. And, and it's, it's been a long journey. It's been, a, it's been something that's been enlightening, but it's a really exciting time for us right now. And we're really excited to uh, provide new services to consumers that really were never there before
2: literally um we we see uh, the the label out there about source verified on thousands of products now too
9: correct yeah it's it's across um different different obviously proteins but also you know new new consumer products and new things that um, um, alternative meats um, you know things that are happening with um uh, just, just different type, types of products that are, that are interesting to consumers. And I think over time we'll have a different um, impact on both the environment but also the way that people look at um, consumers look at the way that, that uh, food producers are producing their products.
2: You're beyond beef now as well. Correct. Yeah, what, uh, we, we what all at- are you involved with?
9: So we work in the pork industry, the poultry industry, the dairy industry. Um, we're, we're across all commodities. And recently, um, earlier this year, um, we, we also got into the seafood market with the shrimp producing uh, standard that we audited. to. Do.
2: Where did the movement start for source verification? Is this something uh, that originated in the United States or did it come from, uh, from Europe? It seems like they've been talking about this for quite some time.
9: Yeah, that's a great question. Actually, I think that the roots of agriculture are very deep in the United States, and it's something that's that's been a part of our country from the very beginning. And as we look at the global dynamics around food production, it's very clear that the United States is leading the way and always has led the way. And what we're trying to do right now is promote the way that farmers and ranchers in the U.S. are um, promoted and also respected in the way that they've always provided uh, sustenance to this country and nutrition, wholesome products. And, you know, it's something that's very unique in the United States. We're proud that we're a part of it um, because it's, it's very unique from a global perspective.
2: Are the global trading partners asking, uh, asking for this even more than they have in the past?
9: Definitely. It's, um, it's a new dynamic, and we're, we're, again, proud to be a part of the fabric that is American agriculture and U.S. agriculture. And we have such a wide array of different products that are going around the world, and we're, again, you know, a very unique um, source of product for the world and we're we're proud of the way that the United States has continued to lead um through very troubling times um especially from a from a farmer or rancher perspective and and we just want to continue to promote that as much as we can
2: i understand that uh, what you're doing is is beyond just source verification you're also looking at age verification um with uh, with a lot of the of the livestock too
9: correct yeah, global, global trading partners really are interested in understanding um, not only the source but also other attributes of the, of the production practices that we're engaged in. And the, the producers that we're, we work with are very excited to um, uh, tell, that, tell that story, tell that message, and depending on the, the market, uh, whether it's here in the U.S. or, or uh, somewhere around the world, um, they're very interested and we're uh very excited to help them communicate that message in a in an authentic and uh very transparent way
2: including non-hormone treated cattle and I see that you even have some uh, some verification for for countries like Saudi Arabia too
9: correct yeah the non-hormone um criteria has been something that has been a um an interesting uh, negotiation topic between uh, several countries, not only uh, the EU, but as we move forward around the world, I, I think you know there's there's domestic markets that are looking for the same type of product, and and again we're we're doing this in an entirely voluntary market, which I think is is so unique and needs to be highlighted that the the farmers and the ranchers that we work with are, today are doing this because they want to and they want to meet these markets. They want to address consumer um, interests in a, in a way that's, that's very confidential and, and, again, meets their demands, but also provides a return on investment for producers that are willing to engage. And that's where, you know, from my perspective, and I think just, again, looking at this from, um, you know, the way the United States got started and what's so important to... Um, where we go forward are are the people involved in agriculture and, and the products that we produce. And meeting those markets and making sure that, that farmers and ranchers get rewarded, um, especially because they're doing it because they want to, not because they're forced to, I think gives um, agriculture in the United States just such a unique opportunity. And, and I'm so excited about Um, what that means for us going forward, all of us involved in agriculture.
2: John Saunders is co-founder of Where Food Comes From and is our guest here today on AOA. John, talk about um, the Where Food Comes From CARES program. It's an acronym for Community of Agriculturalists Who Respect the Earth. I know it's a a high priority for you, too.
9: Yeah, yeah, it's um, what we find ourselves in today from a um, agricultural perspective is that there's very unique uh, perspectives, just as we see in politics, and, and there's groups that, you know, honestly don't want to see agriculture uh, develop the same way it, it's continued to to um, to grow. While at the same time, you've got a group of of um, people involved in agriculture that are very very focused on sustainability. And we we really felt it was important to focus on on defining what sustainability meant because it's so hard to define. So when we looked at um, what what was important around sustainability, we, we we felt that all of the customers, all of the farmers and ranchers that we worked with had three primary. Um, areas of their life that were very important. One was the product that they were producing, either the animals or the, or the, the uh, plants that were grown on their, on their location. Uh, they were very, very committed to their personal location, their local environment. And then finally, they were really focused on their, their kids and their lineage and their heritage so that, those were the three components that we built care upon, the um, animal welfare, environmental sustainability, and then the people and community that they surrounded themselves with. And we've been so excited about the response that we've got, and um, it's something that um, we're really proud of.
2: If uh, folks would like to learn more, I know they can go to your website, wherefoodcomesfrom.com. Correct. All right, John, we appreciate the time today and uh, learning a little bit more about uh, about your background as well as the different interests that you have uh, going on out there. Thanks for joining us. John Saunders is the co-founder of Where Food Comes From. Again, you can learn more online at wherefoodcomesfrom.com. We roll along on this Monday with Adams on Agriculture talking about the COVID-19 relief package with Ethan Lane from NCBA. He's our guest when we continue after this.
0: Hi, this is Mike Adams. You're listening to AOA, Adams on Agriculture. Don't go away. More Adams on Agriculture coming right up.
5: Hey, Dad, your prescription will be ready in just a minute. Hey, Dad, your laundry will be ready in
6: just a minute. Dad, your lunch will be ready in just a minute.
0: Hey, honey, why don't you take a minute? When you help care for a loved one, you give them as much time as you can Find free care guides to support you and your loved one at aarp.org slash caregiving.
8: That's AARP.org slash caregiving. A public service announcement brought to you by AARP and the Ad Council. The Alzheimer's Association and the Ad Council present the story of Cynthia and Ed.
3: My mother was always very active and independent, and she was familiar with her neighborhood. But one day, out of the blue, she stopped at the stop sign for much longer than usual. And uh, she didn't know whether she should go forward or, or turn or just stay at the stop sign. She wasn't even really sure where she was at. She was very concerned. It was very
5: unsettling for her. It's important for you to talk to someone about it, to bring the family in on it. I felt so much better after my son told me Mom, I don't want you to worry or be afraid. I'll be there for you, and we'll figure it out.
8: When something feels different, it could be Alzheimer's. Now is the time to talk. Visit alz.org slash ourstories to learn more. A message from the Alzheimer's Association and the Ad Council.
0: Join us every Tuesday for a round the Table, brought to you by CHS, as we discuss how cooperatives support farmers and ranchers and build strong communities. Each week, we'll chat with voices from throughout the cooperative system, from global market access to local expertise. We'll explore how co-op ownership means you own a world of opportunities. Tune in on Tuesdays or visit cooperativeownership.com to learn more.
7: What kitchen gadget is so essential to food safety that no home should be without it? I'm Registered Dietitian Nutritionist Toby Smithson. A food thermometer isn't just for meat and poultry. It will help you avoid food poisoning from egg dishes, casseroles, and leftovers by ensuring they're fully cooked by reaching a safe minimum internal temperature. Heat leftovers and casseroles to at least 165 degrees and egg dishes to at least 160 degrees. You'll find more food safety tips at homefoodsafety.org
0: recently on Adams on Agriculture. Time for our monthly visit with Kurt Blade, Senior Vice President, Ag Services for the Association of Equipment Manufacturers, as we take a look at the latest ag equipment sales numbers. Kurt, happy holidays. What do the latest numbers tell us? Well, I'll tell you what, we are continuing to see some nice numbers in tractor
3: and combine sales in, in the United States. November saw pretty much an increase across the board. Continue with this trend of under 40 horsepower tractors leading the way, but tell you what, we saw some nice improvement in 40 to 100 plus 100 horsepower and 100 plus horsepower tractors as well. So, good numbers for November. If you look at the year in total, is that 2020 has been a little bit of a surprise. Uh, we were we were entering into the year thinking that this was going to be a, you know a flat year. But we've seen you know in the case of under 40 horsepower
0: tractors, we've seen a 20% year-over-year year growth in that market. For the information important to rural America, join us on Adams on Agriculture.
2: The landscape of media has changed and people are more skeptical than ever about where they get their news and information. While major news outlets show decreasing credibility, your local farm radio station still shows strong marks. In a recent survey, farmers rated information from their farm broadcasters as almost twice as reliable as major news outlets. Farm radio continues to be transparent, honest and trustworthy
4: this message brought to you by the national association of farm broadcasting a lot goes into keeping a precision operation moving the inputs you choose have to deliver results new delaro complete fungicide from bear offers unmatched consistency and the most complete disease control available your corn and soybeans are protected and yields higher even in unpredictable conditions with delaro complete you get results you can count on to help keep your precision operation running smoothly. Always read and follow label instructions. To learn more, visit DilaroComplete.us today. You're
0: listening to AOA, Adams on Agriculture. Hi, this is Mike Adams. You can rely on us for the latest farm and ranch news from around the world. Information
1: America's farmers and ranchers need to know. Adams on Agriculture. Now, back to Mike Adams.
2: My name's Tom Brandt, and I'm sitting in for Mike Adams today, tomorrow, and Wednesday this week on AOA. Mike's on vacation for a few days, and uh, we'll be in on Thursday and Friday with some best of programs from 2020, as well as the new kickoff for 2021. My pleasure to be along board with you here today. Coming up on tomorrow's broadcast, we're going to talk about Missouri and Illinois agriculture. As Gary Marshall, the uh, CEO of the Missouri Corn Growers Association, will be our guest in segment number one. And then Chris Chen, the director of agriculture for the state of Missouri, will uh, will be along with us. Richard Gubert uh, with the Illinois Farm Bureau, who is Illinois Farm Bureau president, will be our guest as well tomorrow as we talk about some of the happenings with the Illinois Farm Bureau. And then Andrew Bailey with the National Pork Producers Council. Um, we'll talk about, uh, about some things that are going on with science and technology, and uh, we're looking forward to the opportunity to visit with him. Then uh, Wednesday on the lineup, we have Steve Sinsky back at the American Soybean Association as our guest. So we're looking forward to being with you here these next few days ahead with AOA, Adams on Agriculture. Well, in some of our agriculture news today, China imported a record amount of corn in the month of November, giving rise to optimism that prices may be getting into their longest rally since 1988. Pro Farmers saying that China bought 12 times more corn last month than they did in 2019. Customs data shows that for the first 11 months of, the, of the, this year, imports more than doubled to 9 million tons, passing China's World Trade Organization commitments of 7.2 million tons for the first time in history. The surge in corn imports pushed the overall Chinese grain prices higher. An official at the Chinese Ag Ministry says the Southeast Asian country has boosted imports of other feed grains like barley as well as DDGs to help narrow the supply gap. Higher prices are likely to give farmers the incentive to increase their corn planting next year, ensuring farmers have basic self-sufficiency. China, by the way, imported 1.3 million tons of corn in the month of November. That's up 1,130% from November 2019, while imports for the year totaled 9.04 million tons through November, up 122.7% from the same time last year. Taiwan's parliament approved a measure that will allow U.S. pork imports containing ractipine, uh, uh, an, an additive. Reuters says that approval came despite objections from KMT, who is the main opposition party, which says it creates a health risk for Taiwanese people. The country's president decided in August that Taiwan would allow imports of U.S. pork with that additive. And um, it, by the way, has been banned in the European Union and China, and that decision stirred up some Taiwan politics. The KMT party has staged loud protests around this move, even throwing some pig entrails into parliament last month in order to protest that approval. The government says no one in the country will be forced to eat pork, and the move really means that Taiwan will bring its import policy in line with international norms. Major Taiwan companies are already saying they won't sell pork that's made with ractipine. Um Taiwan officials are hopeful that easing barriers to U.S. pork imports will make it easier to establish a free trade with America. Pork, by the way, is Taiwan's protein of choice. The average per capita consumption? About 40 kilograms. Pretty good amount of pork there. Well, it is the time of the year when people buy a lot of holiday hams, and some pork products are getting stretched a little thinner as a result. The Wall Street Journal is reporting it's due in part to COVID-19 precautions challenging meatpacker workforces to keep up with demand. Some meat suppliers are facing limits on how much pork supermarkets can order, leading to less variety and fewer pork promotions in the days ahead of Christmas. COVID also led to some of the larger processors like Smithfield Foods and JBS providing paid leave for workers who are considered high risk. Because of pre-existing conditions, or their older age demographic. Some meat companies have hired extra workers to help offset the absences. Another concession to COVID-19 worries some of the meat plants are spacing workers further apart, which as a result slowed down that processing speed in their operation. Grocery companies report that bacon, Dinner sausages, lunch meats, have also been in tighter supplies during the holidays. I know personally, I'm going through the supermarket in the course of the last uh, week or 10 days. I've noticed that those variety meats uh, just uh, aren't as abundant as they have sometimes been, especially this time of the year. I even noticed the other day that uh, besides selling bacon, they're selling bacon bits. Not like the dried ones you put on salad, but uh, but bacon bits and packages that you could uh, cook up yourself. I think they call them bacon bits and ends is how it was uh, was labeled on the package there. Well, as of the first of this month, U.S. farms contained 77.5 million hogs and pigs. That's down 1% from December of 2019 and also down 1% from September of this year. Those numbers were published last week by the U.S. Department of Agriculture's National Ag Statistics Service. Of the 77.5 million hogs and pigs, 71.2 million were market hogs. 6.28 million were those that weren't marked as kept for breeding. Between September and November this year, 35 million pigs were weaned on U.S. farms, down 1% from the same period last year, while U.S. hog producers weaned an average of 11.05 pigs per litter. I want to repeat that again. The average weaned hog... Uh, now coming off of a litter, is a little more than 11 pigs per litter. Hog producers intend to have about 3.12 million sows farrow between December of this year and February of 2021, and a little over 3.1 million um, sows will farrow between March and May next year. Iowa producers continue to hold the largest inventory among the states at 24.8 million head. Minnesota is next, 9.4 million head, and North Carolina, third. They have 9 million head there. If you want the most accurate measurement possible of the U.S. swine industry, the National Ag Statistics Service surveyed more than 6,000 hog producers across the nation during the first half of the month of December. Well, speaking of pork, last week the head of the anti-meat extremist group posed as the CEO of a major pork producer during a national television interview. The National Pork Producers Council says the conversation contained outrageous and false claims about the U.S. pork industry and challenges it faced during COVID-19 quite the uh, quite the controversy going on there. Hey, it's been great to be along board with you here today this Monday with AOA Adams on Agriculture. Looking forward to being a part of your day tomorrow. Have a great day everyone.
0: Hi, this is Mike Adams. Thanks for listening to Adams on Agriculture. Join me Monday through Friday for the latest farm and agriculture news from around the world.
4: A lot goes into keeping a precision operation moving. The inputs you choose have to deliver results. New Delaro Complete fungicide from Bayer offers unmatched consistency and the most complete disease control available. Your corn and soybeans are protected, and yields higher even in unpredictable conditions. With Delaro Complete, you get results you can count on to help keep your precision operation running smoothly. Always read and follow label instructions. To learn more, visit DelaroComplete.us today.